Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! This is Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. And before we get into the royal news of the week, as always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also email us info at gallerypodcasts.com. And if you haven't already, you should be rocking a corgi tote that's branded Royally Obsessed so that everyone knows. Yeah, or that God Save the Pod tote. I carry it everywhere. I really love it. They are very roomy. They're bigger than a normal cloth tote. And you feels like insider. Them. You know what I mean when you carry that one too? But I love it. For I love $20 it all. to wear your royal heart on your sleeve. I mean, you can't beat that. It's shop.royallyobsessed.com for all your podcast merch. Rachel, Tell me. I mean, it is quiet, but there's still a lot happening. The big, big news of the week. There's a lot of thoughtful conversations that we need to have, and I'm very excited for this episode. We are, let me tell you what we're going to discuss, though, Roberta, which you're very fully aware, but for our listeners, let me tell you. No, just kidding. Uh, We are going to be talking about Fergie in flashing back to 1992, Fergie in a particular set of photos. We are also chatting about Harry and Meghan's upcoming trip to the UK. How exciting. We did not expect this. Also, a security conversation. We want to chat about Prince Andrew's status in relation to Harry's. That and so much more coming up, Roberta. And as always, we need to leave room for our royal refreshment because I I don't know about you, Rachel, but I feel like the summer winding down is really hitting me hard. There was a tweet from one of the New York Weather Service Twitter accounts that was like, it won't be light past 8 p.m., until May 20th of 2023. Like, I feel like those people are wait. just being mean. Like I saw <laughs> something like this is the lo- this is the longest day. Like enjoy it. This is the last day the sun will set after a certain time. I'm like, why are you like it's really being so cruel? Stressful. I yeah. know I find it stressful and so I want to enjoy summer. So I think we should be sipping. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. A watermelon marg, which I have had and I have made, and this one's three ingredients, so it's super easy. All it is is watermelon, tequila, and lime juice, and you just put it all in a blender, rim the glass with salt, and you can also add Cointreau if you want to kick things up a little bit, but that's so easy, and so I'm going to be making these this weekend for sure. You don't be mad, but I've been drinking a lot of Bordeaux this week. Oh, red. Wait, I that's into the red. heavy red for some I know it Tell- is, but I, it was a little chilly. Like New York actually rebounded from the crazy heat wave. And so it was like, it just was starting to feel like September. And I just, we had some pasta. I went that route. But anyways, <sighs> there's no shortage of delicious royal refreshments is my point, I guess. All right. Well, while we're sipping, I want to read this amazing listener DM that um, was sent. And it made me, it brightened my heart because I, as our listeners will remember last week, I kind of slipped my birthday news that I'm turning 40 into the highs and lows, thinking that maybe no one would hear it if it was at the end of the episode. But Alyssa sent this note. Hi, Rachel. I hope you don't mind me writing, but I'm a podcast listener and want to thank you for sharing news of your big upcoming birthday. I too will be 40 this October and somehow it made me feel a little bit better. I also live in New York City in Queens and have been a royally obsessed fan from the beginning. In March of 2020, when the city shut down, I was seven months pregnant and had been listening to several podcasts in quarantine about birth that terrified me. I found the perfect antidote in Royally Obsessed, and it helped me escape my fears and anxieties during such a frightening time. I've been an avid listener ever since and can't thank you enough for all that you do and how thoughtful and entertaining each episode is. I love the guests and the royal media recommendations, like The Empress— 
As a working mom, I just wish I had more time to indulge. I hope you're well and that you both enjoy the rest of the summer the next burrow over. Happy 40th to us. Oh, happy 40th. I thought that was really exciting. (laughs) We both have milestone birthdays, Roberta. We do, we do. And Roy Leaves Us has been in the surgery room so far, and we it sounds like we almost made it to the delivery room. To the delivery room. That's the goal this time. I mean, (laughs) happy birthday, though. That was from Alyssa. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy early birthday. We also got a sweet note from Sharon. I just wanted to briefly share that she talked about our conversation about Olivia Newton-John last week and shared that she met her at a department store when Olivia Newton-John was launching a bedding collection with a friend. She also had her infant son with her. This is Sharon. And and Olivia Newton-John apparently loved Sharon's son. So they snapped a photo together and Olivia insisted that Sharon, mom, be in the photo. I always like that. Get mom in the photo. But the photo, Roberta, if you scroll down, is so, so So sweet. So sweet. Oh my gosh. Such big smiles from everyone. And how could you not love that baby? I mean, oh my gosh. I know. A total charmer, Sharon. So cute. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that makes me sad again about Olivia. I know. John, she just like looks so sparkly and warm in that photo. Yeah. All right. Should we go to This Week in Royal History? And now, This Week in Royal History. A pretty yeah. juicy one, Rachel. This I'm is one of my favorite to date because I don't think I was as up to speed and I did a lot of reading and I was it was really a fun flashback. Well, let me tell you what, what I read and then we'll compare. So August 20th, 1992, Fergie in a Photos Row. The Daily Mirror publishes over 10 pages of photos of the Duchess of York and Texan businessman John Bryan, including photos of a topless hug by a pool in the south of France, Bryan kissing her feet, frolicking in the pool... I mean, basically how my vacation was in the south of France, of course. So So I picture it now at all. I was with my five aunts. Uh, Reminded, though, Fergie and Andrew broke it off in March of 1992. So this is August 1992. So a few months later, of course, that was the Queen's Honest Horribles. And Fergie and Andrew's divorce was not official till 1996. But supposedly these photos, this Daily Mirror spread, set it all in motion for them to officially divorce. Sarah always said it was her financial advisor, this John Bryan figure, but it wasn't the first man that she was rumored to be having an affair with. There was an oil tycoon who was also American named Steve Wyatt, and those rumors were circulating in 1990. Just for context, though, Sarah herself has said that while Andrew was in the Navy, she only saw him for 40 days out of the year. So there was... So much alone time for her. I mean, basically 11 months out of the year, she was alone. And so not to say that this is okay, but it just makes a lot of sense when you know what was going on behind the scenes. So the drama of this spread caused because, of course, August, late August is when the family is all at Balmoral. And so Fergie comes down to breakfast. The queen is sifting through the tabloids on her tray and sees the spread. And supposedly, Philip handed her the paper and said, there but for the grace of God go I, which I guess translates to this could have been any of us, but it was you. And so it was rubbing her nose in it, and he supposedly never forgave her for this. Never, ever forgave her. The Daily Mail editor Richard Kay said that Diana paged him the night before the spread came out saying the redhead's in trouble, which feels very like That's Diana kind of hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And the queen was absolutely furious. And one of the reasons she was so furious was 
the one of the pictures showed two-year-old Eugenie looking on as Fergie and John Bryan kissed on the lips. The queen was, I mean, she was livid. This is her granddaughter, whom she loves very much. And that is where, I mean, she was already upset about for being Fergie being placed in this situation, but they were separated. And so this was not okay. And we know that the queen really has a soft spot for Eugenie and Beatrice as well. So Fergie had to get the fuck out. She was told to leave. <laughs> she had to return to London and wasn't invited back to Balmoral for 21 years, over two decades. In 2013, she was invited back. But, I mean, this is their lasting impression. This is what eventually you know, push them for divorce in 1996, although that took a long time. And of course, they now have said that, you know, there's no reason why they wouldn't remarry. There's been a lot of things back and forth with Andrew and Fergie, but supposedly Philip, yeah, he never forgave. And this is weird. The the guy, John Bryan, when asked about what his comment was, he said it wasn't toe sucking. It was toe kissing. That was his clarifying remark. He said, I want everyone to know. <laughs> That's, That's the clarification. That's what makes it all better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Rachel, what did you know about this? Before? Well, no, no, no. I just was going to say that I think what was really interesting was reading some of the deeper dives going back to 1992, reporting on it, where how up in arms the British public was over the lack of morality from a member of the royal family. And I was like thinking just so in depth about the context because Tampon Gate was just a year later in 1993. Oh, and like this really was a time of huge issues within the family because like you said, it was 1992, one of the Queen's worst years. But, you know, you had Princess Anne got divorced that year. The Duke and Duchess of York separated, obviously, Diana and Charles in 1992. But apparently the Fergie picks were said, according to some of the reporting I read, to be like the worst of it all, <laughs> the most sensational photos. And it just kind of is fascinating context to me to think about it that way. Yeah. And I think it was a really tough time for Britain as well. And a lot of the headlines I looked back at about the photo spread which like 10 pages, I mean, that's almost, it's like incomprehensible how much. But they said the hypocrisy of it all. Like we look up to these people, we pay for their lifestyles and yet here they are like, you know, doing these kind of terrible things. Of course, she didn't know she was on camera and all that, but so there's some rumors that she did know and she set it all up. I don't know, it's just crazy. Well, but you said the word hypocrisy because that's what I felt when I was reading all this, the public outcry about this situation with Fergie, and this was way back in 1992 when media was much more limited, mm-hmm. it far exceeds any outcry over Andrew. Don't you right. feel? Like when you right. read how much she was raked over the coals for this and Gosh, like Andrew yeah. kind of gets like, you know, it's universally known that he's like, ugh, we don't like him, but like, I just don't feel like he garners any negative press. It's very no, limited. and It is. It feels like that for sure. That's yeah. total hypocrisy in today's day and age. And so we're going to get into that more because I feel like we have more. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Ripping of Andrew to do. Later. Anyways, I really like enjoyed reading some of, you know, when Stay you go tuned. back in time and you read the reporting, it's just, it's. It's so, uh, it's like almost these literary essays about these giant scandals. And it was just, you know, the way that newspaper reporting was glorified and used to be. I mean, it still is, but it's so much more limited, obviously. What publications exist. Okay. 
Harry and Meghan, let's talk about this. This was a surprise, Roberta. Were you expecting to get this announcement that they are going to be back to the UK so soon? No, my head felt like it was spinning because I was like, wait, we just said that William was going to go over to New York in September. And now Harry's going over to the UK. Like, what's going on? (laughs) So I was very confused. But excited. So what we know is that Harry and Meghan are set to go to Manchester in the UK first. They're going to be attending the One Young World Summit on September 5th. And Meghan is going to be delivering the keynote address, which I thought this was interesting to point out context-wise, that she has actually been involved with this organization since 2014, so way before she was dating Harry. Also, after Manchester, on September 6th, they'll travel to Germany. That's where they'll be celebrating the Invictus Games with their one year to go, because that will be in Dusseldorf in September 2023. Then, on September 8th, they will be back in the UK for the Wellchild Awards. And as a reminder, we have a lot of dates we want to get into here, but Prince Harry turns 38 on September 15th. Right before the birthday. I know. I wonder if he'll be celebrating with any UK friends for his yeah, birthday. Yeah, like let's bit talk early. about like the calendar context. Yeah, so I was interested to find out when the Queen would possibly be back because she, of course, has to meet the new prime minister that gets picked by the country on September 2nd. And that is going to be announced September 5th, the new prime minister, meaning that the Queen might be back in London to meet with this person. It's either um, Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak. So she's going to be back in London to meet with this person right around September 5th. I mean, could she be back to see... The kids, are Megan and Harry even bringing the kids? I don't think we know that yet, but I just thought that was really interesting timing. The schedule really worked out. Can I play devil's advocate on that for one second? Or or what if Harry and Megan, there were a lot of tabloid reports that they were invited to Balmoral. Could they be joining the Queen for a week at Balmoral and then going segue right into these events in the UK? Like, you know what? Is I'm going to look up how far Manchester is to Balmoral because now smart. I just need to know. Get that Google map. <laughs> yeah, like I just like I'm, I'm trying to like piece it Googling together. And the Telegraph, I think, said the visit, quote, this was a source, you know, all these quote unquote mm-hmm. sources that are who knows from where. But it said the visit would come during a busy week with lots of moving parts, which I think speaks to what you were talking about, where the Queen's going to be in Balmoral, but coming back or potentially they would go. I just have a lot of questions. A four-hour drive. Not too bad. Not, not too bad, bad at all. I would make that trip with a child <laughs> if the kids go. Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> that seems like a no-brainer when somebody else somebody else is driving you. I mean, come And then on. they get time with the queen, the kids, and Harry and Meghan at Balmoral, which is such a place close to all of their hearts. Yeah. So anyways, conjecture, conjecture. But Well, uh, another conjecture I think, too, we have to touch on is will – the Cambridges be open to a visit because I think, or will the Sussexes even want to visit with them? And if the Sussexes stay in Frogmore Cottage, which it's rumored that they would if they're visiting, you know, anywhere near London, I feel like that's their home base when they're over here is over in the UK. I mean, that's so, it's like a 10 minute walk. They'll Why all be walkable. Not? Why would they it, not? If, if the Cambridges are already in Adelaide Cottage, which I think we can assume. They well, are. I was going to ask you because I know you're up to speed on that school calendar. <laughs> when is the first day? <laughs> the first day is not till September, I believe, but it's but like still mid September. You don't have to Google that one right now. I was just curious. Oh, I totally has it printed out everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's already it's like per, the link is purple because I've clicked it so many times. Um, September eighth, yeah. So, okay. so I mean they have to be moved in by then. Yeah, I think. and set up. 
Right. Yeah, it seems like it would be very easy for them to connect. Obviously, I think that this is the aspect of it that I keep thinking of. I don't think any visit, there's a lot of headlines about will they see each other, but we won't and likely shouldn't know what's going on if they are meeting up, right? But I'm curious how that will play out. Like, will we get something that says that they connected, a a story after the fact, that kind of stuff? Probably not. You're probably right. But I do think it's interesting to note, like, this is Harry and Meghan's third visit to the UK this year. The first one was that quick stop to see the Queen before they went to Invictus Games in The Hague. Then we had the Jubilee visit, which was totally in service of the queen there was just that one you know public appearance with the rest of the royals and then they were off they didn't stay long at all Mm -hmm. and now this and this just feels to me so much more of what they really were hoping to accomplish when they step back from senior working royal roles i think that this is something that these organizations have been in their lives for you know more than five years they've they've dedicated a lot of their time to these organizations and that's something that is notable like is this what they envisioned Mm -hmm. themselves doing when they stepped back they wanted to be and I think the pandemic really played a part in preventing that for a long time but this feels very much Harry and Meghan going you know doing the work getting their hands dirty, getting, you know, that this is what they wanted. They wanted to split their time. They wanted to be able to connect with things close to their hearts. So yeah. And I'm excited about it. I I agree. I think that the spotlight is on the work and a lot of reports say we're not sure if there will be publicity ops in the same way, how it will Mm -hmm. be publicized. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a busy fall though, because there are questions. Will the Netflix crew be there? Will, you know, this is all supposedly weeks ahead of the publication of Prince Harry's memoir. So that could also, yeah. there's a lot Where's of- Where's archetypes? Are she, moving like, parts. Oh, right. What happened there? I feel <laughs> the like that, that has to come out before head this all the time. Trip. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I, yeah. And I just wonder too, like, and this is me just speculating, but does this make the rest of the royal family think, huh? Because- Megan and Harry are kind of doing what they wanted to do when they set out to do this, but without taxpayer money. And that's what they want to do. They want to be financially independent. Does that – it's almost like they 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 have their cake and they can eat it too in a way because well, – I think they're they, really demonstrating that it, it kind of was and is possible what they asked yeah. for. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just the fact that like, you know, it's like – they can do the work and not be senior members of the royal family and not be beholden to, you know, the never complain, never explain, or be beholden to certain invisible contracts with the press. Like, I think that they are proving that with this trip, that they are committed to that work and they can do it on their own terms. And that's really, that's got to be really frustrating for some of the people like that, you know, I think that see that and think, gosh, well, we we could be doing that too if we stepped out. Just feel yeah. like that's that's got to be really. It's like um, it's like how when you have like an Android phone, you can't get iMessage. Your your texts are green, right? Like mm-hmm. because you don't have an Android phone, you can't do it. But but they're saying like, look, we have a cheaper, better phone, and we get iMessage. Like we can do both. I don't <laughs> that know. That analogy like was yeah, that, pitch. That's a bad. Roberta. That's a bad. No, analogy. it's not. <laughs> Like you can't get Peloton if you don't have the Peloton bike, right? Like you can't. Yeah. But they're saying, yes, we can, and we're going to. We need to and modernize. We need to be more open-minded. Exactly. Yeah. 
I did want to talk, and this is a good segue, I think, into what we want to chat about with the security. But this visit, remember Prince Harry, I guess when I guess what I'm trying to say is when this announcement came. I thought about Harry's security. And as a reminder, we all remember that he went to the Wellchild Awards that were outdoors because of COVID a year ago. And that was a big impetus for the security lawsuit that he's launched because that was when he exited. He didn't have proper police protection and he was chased by paparazzi. Yeah. And so that really shook him up. And I think that's the perfect segue into this discussion, which is that you know, last week we heard Andrew still has his security. And that was decided by this committee that Harry has been kind of up in arms with over his appeal to be able to have security while he's on UK soil. So reminder that this is the Royal VIP Protection Executive Committee called RAVIC for short. And they just decided Andrew gets to keep his security, which totals $600,000 up to $3.6 million dollars. Uh, to the taxpayer per year. So that's like the range in cost, 600K to 3.6 million. That's just for one personal protection officer. I didn't realize that. That's a lot of money. How is that mm-hmm. that much money? I guess there's other factors involved as well. That's just the one that stays with Andrew. But meanwhile, Harry's case is still under review. And I think that's where it's a head scratcher because Harry, one, has offered to pay for it himself. He's not even asking the taxpayer to pay for it anymore. He's just offering to pay for it himself, which I get sets the wrong precedent. It's like anyone yeah, and that's who has money yeah, could pay for their own security, which isn't Police protection, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Harry has questioned if this committee, the RAVIC committee, is truly independent since the Queen's secretary, Sir Edward Young, is on the committee. He's the I guy. Reminder, I know. yeah. yeah. Screech. Screech. Who, <laughs> he's the guy who originally blocked Harry from seeing the Queen in January 2020 when they were they you know the the leaked story about them leaving the family or moving to Canada I guess was in the Sun and he said no the Queen's schedule won't allow you to meet with her and Harry had to make calls he had to basically rush out a statement they had to launch sussexroyal.com and so Sir Edward Young is on this committee he's the one deciding he's one of the people deciding this. I, I always think, picture him as like the Peter Pettigrew or <laughs> Timothy Spall character in Spencer, right? Like, cause it's like oh, the guy, oh. like, I always think, it's like sorry, Peter I can't Pettigrew. think of him uh, Tim- other than the Harry Timothy Potter character, Spall, yeah. but in the Spencer movie, it was yes, that same yes. actor. I just picture him in like lurking, same. kind of pulling all Wait, these strings. Good, yeah. Right? Is that what you see too? Like that yes, guy was so, absolutely. that's what I remember most from the Spencer movie. That's who Harry really referred to, I think, when he said, like, I need to make sure the people around her, mm-hmm. she's protected. And I think that's, you know, people were rubbed the wrong way. Like, who who is he talking about? But this guy. He's talking and about And the royal guy. commentator Peter Hunt had this quote that said, just conjecture, the chapter in Harry's autobiography on Sir Edward Young is likely to be a rip-roaring read. So that was just like... <sighs> hypothetical thinking through but oh i can't yeah i mean it's a very bizarre person to have leading this committee and or not leading sorry it's a very bizarre person to be on this committee and deciding that andrew has more security risk than harry on u.s soil when i think you know harry is going to be the son of the next king andrew omid's recent piece on yahoo which is a terrific read omid scobie's essay about the security threats against harry and megan and it talks about you know, they really have received so many credible threats. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of the argument about why Andrew still has it, because he's had a lot of incidents when he's out horseback riding and someone like bangs mm-hmm. on his car. But but I think with Harry and Meghan, it's much more extreme because of the racism and 
all that stuff that they have very, very real threats and they deserve yeah. the protection. And it seems like Andrew's threats, because there was that lady who said she was Irene Windsor oh, yes. and tried to break into Royal Lodge. Like, I think that those feel more concentrated to where he lives versus, but I don't know. I mean, she said she was a girlfriend of Prince Andrew's, but it just feels like after being stripped of his titles, after being, you know, t- he he's no longer a working royal, Andrew shouldn't have year-round protection like Harry should. And I think that that, I mean, and Harry's is only for when he's in the UK too, which is a huge difference. Yeah, and also if Andrew does, if it's a government or give a distributed thing, I think what Harry's trying to get to the bottom of is why doesn't he have it? It should be this universal procedure. Mm-hmm. If someone that's no longer a working royal like Andrew still has it, then Harry should also still have it as well. Right, because there's a line drawn in the sand that basically says, well, it should be for anyone who's in the line of succession, but then somehow Harry, who's sixth in line in succession, doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Because Andrew's the same. He's not a working royal, and he's lower in line of succession. But they decided that he was had a great security Eligibility for it. Yeah, it just seems very um, ambiguous. And I think that, Hopefully they'll reevaluate because Harry just filed, you know, as we mentioned in a previous episode, another complaint against this. So we'll see. But I think this was interesting. The Daily Beast said that they think Harry is likely to have had a side arrangement made for this upcoming visit just so that he because he wouldn't have come up. He wouldn't be planning this trip if he didn't feel safe. And so it seems likely that Harry does have a contingency plan of his own. And he's going to band-aid it until the home office figures out what to do and hopefully rules that it is a great security risk, as Omid pointed out, in that wonderful Yahoo piece, which we highly Yeah, because that was my first reaction, honestly, to the news was just because we've been reading so much about the lawsuit. And I do agree with what Omid said. Like, I think especially on the heels of watching The Princess last week, it's just I really, really, really don't think anybody in the whole universe should want that element of history to repeat itself. And it's horrifying to think of the worst case scenario and that ultimately it was completely preventable. Mm-hmm. Fascinating conversation. I Roberta. know. Gosh, <laughs> could talk well, to you all day. <laughs> I know. This is the biggest news. I feel like the biggest royal news. of. I know the Cambridges weeks. are like under the radar. I hope they're really enjoying their vacation. Yeah, of course. Till September 8th. That's the date they start. We'll You're back. have all these dates in our calendar. <laughs> all right. Before we adjourn the royal pod here, highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. My low is just that this bodyguard, Lee Sansom, who wrote a book, so take this with a huge grain of salt. This is PR for himself. He says MI6 could have been one of the people on the bike that made Diana's car crash. I mean, this feels like a big deal, although we do have a lot of conspiracy theories about this. So I think, you know, we know that pretty pretty sure pretty certain that the people on the bike were paparazzi and that's why the car crashed but this guy he's saying that it was mi6 i don't know rachel what do you think I just feel like we're like really in like the season of conspiracy theories that are all resurfacing because remember we talked about that fictional series that's coming out there's a new docu-series that's going to be on channel four in the uk i was just reading about all the conspiracies surrounding diana's death i'm of the camp that there's always conspiracy theorists here but yeah you know it's also the 25th anniversary so all this is bubbling up like right timing wise but like you said take it with a grain of salt exactly and i did like i like wanted to mention too like some of his other stuff it kind of feels like it's grasping at straws but he said that diana also wanted to move to the u.s with Dodie. that she was seriously shaken by gianni versace's murder and worried she too would be assassinated 
and that everyone was always, always forced to wear seatbelts. But they hadn't been, Diana and Dodie hadn't been when they crashed in Paris. So he wasn't even there at the Paris um, when this all happened. So yes, huge grain of salt. Bowie, what's your low? My low is all the hate that's being directed at the Well Child Awards, at the other organizations and charities that Harry and Meghan will be working with and visiting when they are in the UK this fall in September. I just feel so disturbed, Roberta, continually by the hate that is lobbed directly and indirectly at the Sussexes, and it just honestly needs to stop. I mean, it's a charity for children. Like, this is just so, so disturbing. And They've had to turn off comments, the Well oh. Child Awards. It's awful. Oh. Awful. Okay, my high of the week, Prince George sent, or his parents, or his parents' secretary, I guess I should <laughs> actually asterisk all of this, is uh, Prince George's parents' secretary sent a thank you note, but it was really sweet. And Prince George got invited to this six-year-old's birthday. And this girl, the six-year-old, I mean, shoot your shot. I love it. She invited him. She wanted Prince George to be there. Who wouldn't? I'm, I think if it was my birthday, I'd invite the queen, but... Prince George is her age group. So here we go. Um, and the thank you note was really sweet. And it said, I'm sorry that it took so long to reply. Their Royal Highnesses were extremely grateful for your kind invitation. Having given careful consideration to the possibilities, I very much regret their Royal Highnesses reluctantly feel they have to decline. Nevertheless, I hope you enjoyed your birthday. And it ended with, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were immensely touched that you should take the trouble to write as you did to their son, Prince George. This is such a thoughtful letdown. That's what makes it high is it's so 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 kind amazing six-year-old is let down easy yeah amazing all right my high is just firm factual information that charles has seen the crown it was this was revealed at the 2022 edinburgh festival fringe this week one of the politicians over there anas sarwar said that charles injured himself recently at an event to parliament members and said hello nice to meet you all i'm nowhere near how they portray me on netflix and i thought that was an amazing reveal and i guess this politician was like shoot i'm not supposed to reveal personal combos but he did and we already obviously know that camilla watches so this just i feel like we need a, a short list of I mean it's getting to be a long list of all the royals that do actually watch I feel like all of them do they have to they have to and we're only a few short months away from season to be that upset about it I think they have to (laughs) I like the humorous bent it's a high because I think for Charles to have a sense of humor about it clearly it sounds like that from those two sentences we only got a small glimpse but it does sound like he's that's a great opening line yeah Just a reminder, before we close, leave us a royal rating, five stars. We would love, love, love that. And thank you to all of those who have already left us a five-star review. We're so, so grateful that you listen and that you wrote in. This review is titled Walking Companion. My fitness walks go by so fast when the Royally Obsessed podcast is playing on my AirPods. I can now keep up to date with the Royals and stay healthy and fit at the same time. Thank you, girls. Yanni from San Juan. Puerto Rico. Aww. Please shout us out. We'll we'll read we'll read your comments. We'll read your reviews. Please, please, please write in like Yanni did. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. Is that it, Rachel? That's We're done it. already. Wow. Ugh, still, flew still by. I know. Flew. flew. I can't wait till next week. Till next week. God, God save, save the pod. The pod. 
Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.